my name is Dr. Tim, and this is Trent. And we're coming to you from our podcast, Wake the Woke. And we'll be discussing a ton of topics. Uh, this podcast was birth. It was an idea of uh, trays. And here we are today, although it was birth a few months ago. It's taken us a little while to get to this point. And a lot of it started because of our journey uh, with uh, politics. My political journey started in roughly about uh, 2015 as far as getting out on campaign trails. Even though I was already active in uh, my own way and family was active with politics, it wasn't until about 2015 that I decided to throw my hat in a U.S. congressional race. And um, as they say, the rest is history. What made you get into politics at first? Well, I saw a need for the veteran population that I'm a part of as a Army veteran, seven years active duty, one in the Texas Guard. I had a friend of mine, Daryl Richardson, who's passed away a few years now. He was in a VA hospital, and he was unfortunately provided insufficient care. Although there are a lot of great workers in, in VA, he was not cared for properly at that time. And because of that, I knew that if I was going to make a change for veterans, I had to do that. Uh, at least at that time, I thought it had to be done through politics. There was going to be some legislation needed to be uh, passed, uh, needed to be in a position to hold the Department of Veteran Affairs accountable and VA as a whole. And um, the second reason was the Lord was speaking to my heart at the time. Uh, I was a senior pastor during this time and God just simply said there are too many children dying. Uh, the uh, abortion rate was high. It's even higher now. We're talking now we're losing uh, still almost 100 children uh, per hour or being murdered in the womb. And so God said, um, we, we have to do something about that. And so I decided to take that fight uh, to Washington and I decided to run for Congress. And that was the intent and goal at the time. That's pretty good. I guess uh, with those issues you just touched, were you able to get some of the stuff you wanted done done? Even though you didn't physically get into Washington, were you able to get some stuff done? We were able to bring light to it. And the fight's not over. And that's the thing I tell people. Uh, one, one of the things that uh, I was awakened on was that even though I'm not in Washington at this time, the fight continues. Being able to reach out and call the representatives, our representatives, being able to keep them accountable, being able to keep taking the fight into the halls of Congress, being able to take the fight even here in Texas uh, to Austin uh, and put it before legislators there. Uh, that continues to be able to fight for our veterans to be able to promote a life, to make sure that people know uh, the lives of the unborn are worth fighting for, that continues. And to be able to inspire people like yourself to be involved, to get involved with this, this uh, battle that we have. And so, um, though I did not make it to Washington as planned, Washington still hears from uh, Dr. Tim Wesley, and likewise does uh, Austin. So I'm still on the battlefield, and that, that won't stop. Nice. Uh, so you ran in what 2016? Yes, yes, I got on the ballot in 2015, uh, okay. December 2015, for the first time. Okay, in the years you ran, it was 16, 18, 20, 22, right? Yes, yes. So okay. yes, every every uh, every two years for Congress, uh, 16, 18, 20, and I decided to shift gears and run for um, Texas Land Commissioner uh, this uh, last time around. So out of all those times you ran, which one was your favorite one to run? The first one. 
know, and the reason was uh, we were extremely green when I decided to run for um, a U.S. Congress in 2015. No one on my team had uh, real experience in politics. It was one of those things that was placed on my heart uh, through the power of prayer. And we had uh, the gentleman who was our campaign manager at the time, Roger. Shout out to Roger. Uh, I thank God for him. Roger worked at the time. He did some work on a Ted Cruz campaign. And uh, because he was the only one that had some type of political experience, he was kind of like nominated to be the campaign manager. And so it was a learn-as-we-go thing. And so what was uh, unique about it, at that time, the, there was no incumbent because the person in uh, U.S. Congressional District 15 was uh, retiring. And so there was no incumbent. And so it was a wide-open race. And I think at the time we had uh, three Republicans. We had uh, six Democrats. I want to say a Libertarian, a Green Party person. So we had almost a dozen people in this race. And so... Everything was a learning experience. I, I mean, every step of the way was like new for us. Every step, including, you know, how do we do this thing? What do we do when we show up? What takes place? Who's got to invite us? Do we hold our own events? Everything was a question. So we were learning as we go. And so we were, you know, indeed considered a long shot to even win a Republican nomination because of the uh, two opponents that I had there. Um, Bank accounts, obviously, for campaigns were a lot larger than ours, and we were just learning this thing as we went, and glory be to God, ended up winning the Republican nomination, so everything worked out, so I have to say that was the favorite for me because it was new for us, we were able to still make waves, we were still able to bring a lot of important things that our constituents were in need of to the forefront, and began trying to push legislation even while I was running and so that that was why I say that was definitely the, the you know, most favorite campaign of all. Okay, and with that, I know you said y'all are new to it. Yes. Pretty much everybody in your team. Yes. My question is, because I see a lot of people who run for the first time, they look like nervous wrecks on stage when they're in front of people. Yes. I don't think you look like that from what I remember. So how were you able to, like, keep your composure and know what to do and you, go with the flow. You're absolutely right. Um, I was never, I, I give God the glory for that. I've always been decent in front of a camera. Cameras never bothered me. Uh, crowds never phased me. Uh, and preparation. So even though I looked like I was polished from the start, and many that were uh, you know, what I would consider to be uh, veteran politicians, uh, they, they noted that, said, look, you're extremely polished in front of people. It wasn't by accident. I studied a lot. Literally, I, I tell people that uh, were willing to listen, I had to learn everything possible about politics, about uh, political procedures, about the issues that our constituents uh, viewed as important. I had to study the district, and I had to learn extremely fast. So I would literally study in upwards of five, six, seven hours, eight hours per day at times, uh, for a few weeks, and that went on in preparation for the campaign trail as I was going on the campaign trail. So, you know, when I played tennis, the idea was that we were going to practice harder than what we played. And so the same thing in politics, same thing for everything I've done. You practice harder than what you play. And so for me, I studied, I was a, a student, and still am, a student of politics, a student of what constituents need, a student of the state of Texas, a student of national politics. And because I was a student, I wanted to make sure, number one, I didn't fail um, the people, and I didn't fail myself. And so uh, with that being said, 
it, it appeared that I was uh, more polished of a candidate uh, than most, even with my first time out. Cool, cool, cool. So you said you're a student? You know, and when I say student of it, when we look at the political spectrum, there's always something new taking place. Conditions are changing. Policies are changing. People are changing. And so we have to stay abreast of that. I learned to back away from the media, all that CNN and CNBC and all those other media outlets out there. I literally had to back away from them and stop watching it because of the negative news and, and also the misleading, unfortunately, news that was out there. So I had to start doing uh, research other ways. I had to go back to the basics of researching and finding original sources as often as possible to see what was taking place and also actually speaking with people. So when it comes to the border, for example, Trey, who better to talk to about what's taking place on the border than Border Patrol agents? My wife and I, your mom, Tracy, we went and we decided let's meet up with the agents. So we got meetings uh, at that time with uh, the Border Patrol agents and we were able to sit down have a table talk, go on uh, a ride with the agents and find out what was taking place. So when I say a student, I really mean getting up close and personal up front with what was taking place during that time and even now to get the um, true meat and potatoes and not what CNN or anyone else was trying to feed us. So that's what I mean by being a student of politics. Gotcha. There are some people who go on a decline after being in like the political realm. Yes. After a while. Yes. Maybe it's due to age. Maybe it's due to just losing their touch. Do you feel like you're getting better and only better? Yes, and, and I want to speak on the decline. Some people go on a decline and they disappear. So I've seen a lot of great candidates, and I do mean great candidates, that had a lot to offer. This process will um, chew you up and spit you out indeed. I've seen a lot of great people that have become discouraged by the political process and they simply decided I'm done because of how it's set up and how things go. I've also seen, kind of getting directly to your question, I've seen uh, people that have become more of your veteran politicians and people that have been um, elected on the trails and serving in Washington and Austin for a while and it seems like they have, in a sense, disappeared for the constituents. And a lot of times it's because people have become comfortable. And I'm talking about the elected politicians have become comfortable. They know that as incumbents, it's hard to beat them. And they know even if they don't do much or anything for the constituents, that many of them know that they can continue to be reelected year in and year out. And so unfortunately, Trey, it becomes a part of what is it, uh, what's in there for them. How can they continue to enrich themselves? How can they can continue, continue to get more political power and the constituents become less and less of a factor and less and less of uh, the most important aspect of this uh, process called politics? Yeah, you got it. All right. So I have a question for you. Many people have asked me because Trey is my youngest son and my family has always been involved. I, I've never gotten into politics unless we've talked about it, unless we've prayed on it, unless the family was on the same page. Because it's a family affair, indeed. Like that old song say, it's a family affair. It's a family affair. And, and I know that with my kids, 
he was in school. He was in, I think, what were you, middle school, high school when I first got started? I don't remember right off. What, because that was, was 2015? It had to be like 15 or 16. No, I was okay. 15 years old. Okay, so you were definitely a teenage teenager, right? And so now, you know, at, at 21, so you've been around for a while. But I had to make sure my children were aware because it was going to affect them. The last thing I wanted to do was to get out there on the political trails and something's printed, uh, which has been printed things in the past. Something has been published and my children are hearing about it. And they're affected uh, within their schools, etc. And so for, for me, it was a family affair thing. And people would ask the question often, especially now, because you've gone on the trail with me this last time around for um, uh, when I was running for land commissioner. You were on the trail with me pretty much the entire time. You know, as we say, road dog, this dude here was my road dog. I mean, we were, <laughs> we were rolling all over Texas in that uh, Chevy Silverado. And so with that being said, I would get asked a question often by people, even before that. You know, you remember before I ran for uh, land commissioner uh, for, for the great state of Texas here, I was working as historian during that time uh, for the Republican Party of Texas. And I was going to uh, many different Republican um, Party locations, uh, and so um, re Republican clubs, that is. And you went with me. You went with me during those times when I was, you know, doing the book signings and all that. So getting back to the point, um, as I looked at you and people looked at me on the campaign trails and just out, they would ask the same question. Are you all making your children get involved? Are you? Uh, does he do, do this on his own recognizance? Is he voluntarily doing this, or are you all forcing him to do it? What are your thoughts? You answer the people, because that question's asked to me so many times. Now I want them to be able to hear from you. Did we force you to get on any campaign trail or be a uh, participant in any of these processes? Y'all did force me a lot. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, nobody forced me to just go with y'all and learn about all these things. I did that by myself, solely by myself. At least I think I did, but yeah, no forcing went on. Okay, so. okay. Well, so what made you want to get involved? Now I'm flipping the script. I'm going to be the interviewer. What made you get involved? What made you want to do it? Especially as a young person. Yeah. I, I don't know if I can... I don't know if there's like a specific reason. Okay. I just feel like seeing you go out there like continuously. Yes. I guess you just catch on after a while and want to get involved too. Okay. I think that's what happened with me. You see it so much, you want to do it yourself. Okay. Thing, so. Now, 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 here's another question I have for you. I don't think I ever asked this. You, you go out there, whether it's a campaign trail or whether uh, we're going to a, a Republican club and I'm the guest speaker there. You know, you think, especially as you were a teenager for the most part when you started going out with me and, and with, with the family, you weren't bored at that? At, at, at those places, it didn't bore you that you were part of this political machine and watching this stuff? That didn't bore you? I don't think it <laughs> bored me. Okay. Uh, I will say I didn't get like an actual interest of it until 2020. Okay, what happened? What was the difference? I don't know. I think there was something in the air during quarantine. Okay, gotcha. Got it. A lot of people caught like that political bug, but... I think that's what happened to me. But before then, I didn't. I don't think I was bored with it. I, was, I just wasn't as interested. Got it. Got it. Got it. And so we we got this topic: wake the woke. You know, <laughs> I got a chance to watch this young man actually wake up politically. And I say wake up politically because um, 
Traven has um, a, what do they call that thing? What is it? TikTok? <laughs> okay. Give them, I don't, see, I, I'm not familiar with this TikTok thing too much. So is it a TikTok handle or what is it? Yeah, it's just a TikTok. A TikTok. So what do they call it? Like, I know you got a Facebook name and you got, uh, like your, is it a, what is it, the name, the TikTok? How do they find you? If people trying to find you. I will say it, young and true. I'll probably drop it right here. You'll drop it. Got it. Yeah. So anyway, this TikTok thing, I didn't know much about it. So all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, his mom and wife tells me, hey, he's blowing up up there on TikTok. And uh, for those that know Trey, which very few of you to actually know him, he, you know, he's a, a man of few words. He doesn't talk a whole lot. And so all of a sudden I, I watch him. And that's why I say, wait, the woke. He was all like, boom, he's, he's really just awakened all of a sudden uh, politically. And I see him, I think it was during the time with uh, Trump 2020 and all that was going on. And so I watch a few TikToks that he's really just blooming and, and dealing with some serious political topics and the people are loving it. And I'm like literally watching my, my son here. And I'm like, whoa, who is this kid? Where did he come from? When did he start talking like this? And how did he get all this knowledge? So for me, I was like, whoa, he's been listening. He's been watching what's taking place on these campaign trails while I'm out speaking at these different Republican clubs and different events, including um, we've, we've gone to many different uh, events in, in San Antonio and throughout Texas. So the point I'm making is that for the parents and for those people that are out there, if you don't think you're influencing your children and the next generation, think again. He was being influenced so much so, and I didn't know he was being impacted that much until I saw his TikTok. So um, g give the people a little bit more. <laughs> because, I'm speaking on TikTok. Okay. Uh, so you know, I said in 2020, that's when it kind of like yes. sparking interest. In. Okay. Uh, I think it was October of 2020. I had made a video. You can probably drop that video right here. Uh, I had made that video, and it was up for like two days. And at the time, I only had like 6,000 followers. Yes. Which may seem like a lot, but it's not on TikTok. More than what I got on Facebook. Facebook people, what happened to you? But I'm just joking. TikTok is different. But yeah, I had like 6,000 followers and uh, that video was up. And at the time, like I didn't post anything political like, okay. at all. And so that was my actual first political video. Okay. It's kind of crazy now that I think about it. But I left it up for like two days and I thought about deleting it because I didn't want to lose followers at the time. Yes. You know, I was worried about my 6,000 followers, which I thought it was a lot at the time, but I didn't want to lose them. So I was thinking about deleting it, but I don't know why I didn't. I can't remember why I didn't. I, I'm just guessing God told me not to delete okay. it. Okay. Okay. So uh, I wake up the next morning, I think, and the video is blowing up. Okay. It's probably at, I don't know, probably at like 95,000 views at this point. Okay. And that whole day is catching on like crazy. Like it's getting like 10,000 views every two minutes. Wow. Type thing. And so it was blowing up and blowing up. And I don't know. That's okay. So you said something that made me pause. You thought about taking it down because you didn't want to lose followers. Why do you think you were going to lose followers? Because I was going against the grain. Uh, that video y'all just saw right here, I, I didn't, that's not what TikTok was about then. There's a lot of, uh, pretty much any social media, it's pretty much left-leaning. And for me to post that video and know I'm going to get hate from it. Yes. 
I, I just had that thought, like, Got maybe it. I shouldn't post this, maybe I should delete it. But again, for some reason, I didn't. I don't know why I didn't, because I really was set on deleting the video. I just didn't. Well, I'm glad you didn't delete it any, uh, neither, and um, because if you would have deleted it, the person we're sitting here talking with right now and watching probably wouldn't have bloomed to become who you are. And so you mentioned going against the grain. That's what we're about. You know, we're, we're about speaking the truth. We're about going against the grain when it calls for going against the grain, standing up for what's right, uh, standing up for those who cannot stand up and defend themselves, and so much more. And so uh, people call themselves woke this day and time. And um, I would say, yeah, you may call yourself woke, but are you right? Are you, are you uh, speaking truth? Are you living truth? And so that's what this platform is going to be about moving forward as well, just telling the truth and truly waking people up. Yes, indeed. Yep. So I appreciate it. Pass me that book right there, Trey, in front of you. That small one right there. Yeah, very important. Very important. Our U.S. Constitution, uh, we believe in this Constitution. We believe that this uh, Constitution is the best we have at, at this point, the best we have. And if we truly adhere to what this Constitution states, if we truly live by this Constitution, then we will be great as a, as a nation. And um, there's another book even uh, more important, more important than that, and that's the Holy Bible, and we believe in the Word of God. And uh, we're going to speak from a platform of that truth. And not all people are going to agree with us with this platform. Not all the woke people are going to agree with us. Many of them are going to hate us for what we speak, which is going to be uh, the truth. But we're going to stand strong on this platform. And uh, I encourage you all to continue to uh, follow us, continue to watch us, and, and just see what God does. Because we're excited about the future, excited about continuing in the process. And as Trey was even mentioning... Even though I'm not running for any public office right now, my voice, his voice, our voices will not be silenced. We will continue to speak. We'll continue to work uh, through Washington and those in Washington. We'll continue to work through those here in the great state of Texas, uh, in Austin and beyond to make sure that the voices of the people that need to be heard are being heard. And that's we the people. Any closing thoughts, Trey? Just don't delete the video because <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Hey, man, to that, brother. Don't delete the video. So you all have to stand firm. We want to thank you all for tuning in for this uh, introductory segment of Wake the Woke. We have more videos that's going to be coming, more footage, more uh, podcast material that's going to be coming over the next several weeks, next uh, several months, and beyond. So thank God for you all. God bless you. May God bless the great state of Texas. May he bless the United States of America, and may he bless every individual family out there. God bless you all, and thanks again for tuning in.